Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyoueavenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyoueavenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyoueavenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyoueavenmore. Welcome, Beth Rolls, to That Girl, the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. We're going to talk about your book, The Authentic Wife, and what that means and how to be an authentic wife or partner. Um, I always like to let people tell about themselves because you do a much better job than I can. So in (laughs) brief, (laughs) please let people know who you are. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, The Authentic Wife, a lot of people hear that title and think that I'm some kind of like weird, I don't know, uh, traditional Christian sort of wife, but it has nothing to do with that. It's about my journey um, of actually finding who I was and what I needed to heal from my past and how my marriage was reflecting all that for me. And just, it helped me become who I am. So now I'm a marriage coach for women um, who are usually like really dedicated parents and they've got a smart husband who sometimes has undiagnosed ADHD and they're doing all the work themselves And, you know, they hear from other women, like he's, he's lazy or it's weaponized incompetence or something and kick him out and move on. And and they don't want their families to fall apart. So they need to learn how to live with that and how to, you know, accept him as he is and how to just be in a space of love and heal themselves and heal their family at the same time. So that's the work I get to do now. And it's so fun. That's amazing. That's really, I think you're doing really good work because so many people are so willing to leave at, you know, even the smallest conflict, but even really big conflict, which, you know, my both sets of parents have been married for at least 20 years or more. And it's just, I really watched two sets of parents have, you know, major problems in their marriages and then work through it. And so I'm a firm believer in that when it really gets tough, I mean, really tough, like let's find a way through this because it will make you stronger. A lot of people are so like, I don't need this. I, I deserve better. And they come from a place of self-love, but it can also kind of, I think personally, this is my opinion, <laughs> that it can get a little like, you know, ego-y where you're just like, well, what's good enough for you then? Because people are inherently flawed, including you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of um, spiritual bypass now too, where people are like, oh, you know, he doesn't help me keep my vibe up. I'm just, I've got to leave him to stay happy. And it's really the he's pointing you to the work to do 
You're like, we let ourselves drop down out of our high vibe. And so when we do that, it's like our cue to say, what is here? What am I really afraid of? What fear am I going into? Because he doesn't control this. I'm the one that dropped down and I get to change it and go back up. So, yeah. And then you spoke about your parents and what happens is we repeat our parents' patterns so well that I can pretty much ask my clients, okay, how was your mom? And then all they pretty much have to do is the exact opposite of whatever she did. And they're happy in their relationship. Like, here's your hint. You know, this is the easiest path that we could go down is how was she? What was she like? You know, how did their relationship turn out? How was your dad? What was he like? And, you know, we project that onto our husbands and think that he's the same guy who's going to hurt us in the same way that our dad did, either by like not being present, not really paying attention to us or launching into rages and just being scary from time to time, you know? Well, I will say, you know, sometimes we just pick our parents in our Mm. partnerships a lot of the time, especially in the beginning when you're first having relationships. So, I mean, I think just, you know, a warning, if you are dating someone or you are married to someone who is abusive and, you know, treating you terribly and you're like, oh, that looks just like my parent, like, congratulations, you chose your parent again, (laughs) but also congratulations, this person needs to actually go. Like if there's you know, major, major abuse happening. Okay. Yeah. It's not worth it, but, but just normal conflict in normal marriage is not a reason to leave. No. So divorce, in my opinion, divorce is a boundary. So boundaries are just there to keep us safe. And uh, a lot of women don't know, like I didn't know that I could just move away from disrespectful behavior. I can just turn and walk out and leave the room. And, you know, I'll be back later when you're ready to have a conversation or I'm still going to go do the thing that I wanted to do, even though you're trying to guilt trip me. That's okay. This is my choice. I get to go do what I want to do. But when somebody can't move away from unconscious behavior like that, when there's um, unprovoked kind of hitting or any kind of hitting really, but know your role in how things go. If they can't move away, if they physically can't leave and get away, they have to hold that boundary. And sometimes it's not permanent. Sometimes the pain of you leaving is enough for them to get the serious help they need. So it it really just depends on, on the situation. So explain what the term authentic wife actually means. (laughs) So uh, I've never been asked to explain the term, but to me, authenticity is being just honest, just really true to who I am. I like to use the term soul truth. I believe that we get kind of really from childhood onward, you know, we come here kind of knowing who we are. And then we gradually get conditioned into, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, liking what we're told to like, Um, religion, church, parents, everybody shows us who we're supposed to be. And so we ignore everything about ourselves and then try to be this little perfect person who does everything like the right way. (laughs) And so we have no idea, like, who really am I? What do I really like? What is really important to me? And so every moment we're in kind of, um, there's like always this inner pause between what's in front of us and 
what should we do? What are the judgments here? Will this look bad if I do this? What is, what are people going to think? Um, what's going to happen? What am I afraid of? Instead of just like, can I just move with, um, knowing what's next? (laughs) Can I just have trust and faith that I know what I want and what I need and that this is the right way to go forward? I think that's definitely something that is learned with some age and some experience (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I, I always look back at my poor twenties and all those wonderful mistakes I made. And what the biggest mistake was that I felt like I never had a choice. Mm. And I think that that is a really big problem with women, especially we just feel like we need to either be the good girl or the people pleaser. We don't have a choice. Um, and it, it's bizarre because you do have a choice, but I think that depending on, you know, <laughs> your background and drama, whatnot, if you choose to do what's right for you, you do risk losing that person. And I think a lot of women are terrified to lose that person. Yeah. That's a great point because we do, when we were kids, it was important to do whatever we were told to do and be who we were supposed to be because then they could get back to being the reliable adult or close to reliable adult that we needed. And then we'd feel like they'd meet our needs. They were happy. So we'd do whatever we needed to do for them to be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Even if it was way out of the realms of what we should have been doing. Um, And so back then we did rely on somebody to meet our needs, but as we grow up when we're adults, we can meet all of those needs on our own. You know, love is, is not dependence on somebody else to make us feel happy. It's not, we don't depend on somebody to live and thrive and survive. I mean, we can, we don't need somebody else to tell us that we're worthy, to validate us, to um, show us that we're enough, to show us that we're important. These are all things that we should be telling ourselves. And so that was completely absent from my life until I did this work. Like I was always looking outside, like, see me, see all the things I do. I'm so good at my job and I'm so good at this and I do everything perfect. And like, just see me. And I had to learn that it was something I had to do myself. What was the breaking point for you that you suddenly were like, I don't give a fuck what people think now. I'm just (laughs) going to do what I want to do. I don't know. That's a really good question. But so the way this work came up was I had my daughter and then I saw the beautiful Dr. Shivali Saberi talking on Oprah about conscious parenting. And I was like, yes, this is the thing I want to do because I don't want to repeat whatever my mom did. And I didn't even really know what she did like wrong at the time, but I just knew I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so like, I, I was I felt something was off. <laughs> <laughs> something so wasn't off. quite right there. <laughs> um, and it turned, well, it turns out that she was like super, she was raised in Catholic schools and she was just super, super hyper, like critical and judgmental and would easily shame us without even being aware that she was shaming anybody. Um, in a lot of other ways, she was wonderful. She sacrificed a lot, homeschooled us. They worked separate shifts. I mean, she did like the right things, but the emotional love that we needed was just totally absent. She was yeah. always too too busy taking care of everybody and not herself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyway, so I learned about conscious parenting. And I was going through training with Dr. Shafali and trying to understand child development and everything. And she kept saying your kids are here to awaken you. They're going to trigger you. And that's when you can grow. 
And I would always say back to her, like, what about my husband? Because he's driving me nuts. <laughs> my daughter's not bothering me yet, but my husband is driving me nuts. Yeah. And she would just kind of say, well, you can accept it or leave sort of. But I kept applying that work to it. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not him. It's me. It's me having very unrealistic expectations for him. He had undiagnosed ADHD. So there were things that he just cannot do. Like he can't, he doesn't see that things need to be done like I do. He's, um, ADHD is really just a disorder. They don't know how to organize anything and put it into order and really struggle with those things. Kids require a ton of organization. Like you have to be such a badass because you have to keep everybody alive all the time. And it was a struggle for me because I have some of the same traits. So I had to accept that he was not going to be like this knight in shining armor who came and, you know, emptied the trash and did the dishes and still made a bunch of money (laughs) (laughs) or like, let me quit my job or something. You know, he was never going to be that guy. So I had to learn how to love who he was. And honestly, he taught me how to slow down and be present and really be in the moment and enjoy fun and um, not be so anxious with my kids and so worried about if everything was perfect. So Mm -hmm. I just learned a ton through that journey. And now we're fine. (laughs) I mean, now we're married, so we still like get tired of each other sometimes, but I no longer feel like uh, it's just going to end in divorce because I used to just get so upset and go, I vowed to never, ever divorce because my parents did it. It broke my heart in unimaginable ways. I will not do it to my kids. I'm determined to keep this marriage together. So I just didn't have a choice. It's like, I just have to make this work. And I'm really glad that I did. (laughs) I'm so glad that you did too, because it just makes me so happy when I hear success stories because marriage is, I have so many friends who've gotten married recently and it's just the whole wedding and all of the like, you know, googly eyes about all of the things. And I mean, I, I do actually love everyone who has gotten married in my life. I feel like they've all made very good choices, but there's just something about getting married and granted, I've never been technically married, but I have done a lot of work on marriage <laughs> and I really feel like I'm ready, but there, there just is something that changes once you actually get married. I don't know what it is. And I talk about this all the time, but something very much changes with roles. And I don't care if you were living together before and then you got married, something shifts. And our subconscious remembrance of our parents' roles in their marriage is what you suddenly expect your partner to be and to do. And so I love when I hear you say, you know, I just had to accept who he was and that was it. Like, there's no changing. There's always like the the hope that they'll work on things, but that doesn't mean it will stick forever. And maybe it's like, you know, five times out of 10, they end up doing what you need them to do. And like, that's a win, you know? And you've got to just be more accepting that people are human beings. Right. What's really common in ADHD marriages, especially the man is one with ADHD, is that um, you create a relationship dynamic of a parent-child 
So I was like his mom and he was like my child. And I started to treat him that way all the time. And uh, that doesn't work (laughs) at all. So once I stopped being the mom and stopped like saving him from consequences or criticizing him or making demands, then he had the opportunity to shift which this is something that I teach my clients. It's like, as soon as you step out of this dysfunctional role that you play, they most of the time will shift because they, they, you had to create something new together, but yeah. it's so true. What you're saying are our, our egos hook the person. And then once we're safe in the marriage, then they start to, I think that we more pay attention to the things that re, they reflect for us that we don't love about ourselves. Because in the beginning, we only pay attention to what they reflect for us that we really love about ourselves. We're like, yeah, this is great. I feel so good with this guy. And then, you know, he's showing me that he's lazy and I have to go, wait, I mean, I'm also lazy. So how am I lazy? And, and, you know, really pay attention to those areas for improvement and just every day. Like now it's fun for me. Now I'm like, oh, I'm upset. I can deconstruct it and figure out (laughs) what I need to change. And then boom, in like five minutes, I've got some new awareness of some part of me and some like truth to it. You really literally shift out of this fear into this place of love. And that's like the marriage killer is the fear. So if you can shift out, change your energy, shift up, that's what changes things. That is so true. And I think that's true of just life in general. Like I I hate, you know, when you find yourself in a negative you know, energetic feeling, right. Or a vibe or whatever you need to call it. It is, it feels gross. You just feel gross. And if you're Mm -hmm. feeling like that with your partner, yeah, the only thing that you can do is to shift out of it. It's really hard, especially when you're really resentful and we Mm -hmm. all know resentment is the killer of marriage. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or contempt as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like shifting out of that, I think that takes an enormous amount of strength. What do you tell your clients when they're like, I need to shift out of this really dark place I'm in with my partner. I, I think yeah. I'm going to kill him or I'm going to divorce him. One of the, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first thing I tell them is to go get a coach or somebody to talk to. Cause the problem is that you need somebody who's at, who's basically done at least a little bit more work than you, if not a lot more work than you, because their degree of being able to not blame the other person is how well they will serve you in in working through Mm -hmm. something. So what people do instead is they go online and they post about it. And then all these people write back and say, leave him. You deserve better. Get out of there, blah, blah, blah. But they are joining you in thinking that he's the problem. So talk to your dog or your cat or a tree (laughs) or coach or therapist or somebody (laughs) who can hold a different space for you to really look at this in a way that's um, that's in with the intention of shifting you out of the fear into a more loving space. So then the actual process that we do is, okay, what is this reflecting for me? What does this remind me of? How am I judging him? Uh, what are the other fears that come up and stuff? And then we start to really look at it and see if there's something they need to heal. Because a lot of the time, what they actually are feeling is old stuff. Mm. So like 
he's, he's reminding me of the way um, that my dad was never around because he did divorce him. So I've got to do all this, or I feel like I have to do all this work. But it's reminding me of the way that dad was gone and it was all on us. So, okay, well now I need to hold my beautiful inner child and reparent her in the way that she needed. Think about what you needed um, to feel that you were worthy of having somebody to spend time with you and stuff. Okay, so now how do I promise myself that I'm going to spend time with me? How am I going to show myself that I'm worthy and hold this no matter what's going on? So first you have to kind of um, heal and shift, uh, get all those really old emotions out of your body. Because then you then you have access to the present moment emotions, which are telling you what to do right now. So we get rid of the old stuff, and then we are able to be in the present moment. And then when emotions come up, then we know we need to take action. So after she's gotten rid of that resentment, and then she sees his face and gets angry, the anger then is coming from the fact that she needs to hold a boundary. Mm -hmm. She needs to not continue to do everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. So how that will look just depends on what it is. Maybe she needs to share, you know, I'm just feeling exhausted because I've got to get both kids bathed and get their milk ready for tomorrow and the house looks like a wreck. And I'm just feeling like I'm never going to catch up Mm -hmm. and sharing it that way is great for if they're married to a man because he is a problem solver. And so he hears the problem and he wants to serve her Mm. and fix it for her. Then it's not like some demand on his time. She's not accusing him. She's not even said it's anything about him. Now he just hears, oh, there's a problem. And then he, he wants to help and fix it. What if he doesn't want to fix it? (laughs) (laughs) What if he's like, Sorry that he walks away. <laughs> yeah, he might not. And then you just carry on. But I think the chances are really good that the better we get at sharing vulnerably, being authentic, telling them what we're feeling and going through, the more they step in and the more they help. Once they realize that they're not the the enemy and that they don't have to be defensive, that there's nobody coming to like jab them and, (laughs) you know, cut their heads off, then they really want to step up and help as much as they can. Yeah, Especially in the case of, you know, if he does have ADHD, he's got to work on, it's not an excuse to not change. He's still, he may need medication. He may need to do some growth work. He's, but he'll know that those things are actually causing a problem at that point and want to work on it. I love this. This is gold people listening. And this is gold right here. (laughs) What is something that, you know, women really need to know in in the work that you do right now? Like what is like the top thing they need to know? Mm. Well, as we all know, I think (laughs) (laughs) tell us. I, I, so it's funny because I'm one of those people who, um, like I'm at Enneagram five and I love to research and read books and know all the things. So saying what's the one thing <laughs> I really struggle with, but if I have to boil it down, okay. I'll go back to it. And I feel like I already said it. It's really, are you in a place of fear, which means that your body's in a depleting emotion. So it can be anything from like, 
regret, resentment, anger, um, guilt, shame, any of those are depleting emotions. They're taking energy from your body while you're in them. Anytime you're there, your goal is to shift up to the other end, to see why you're there, not ignore it, see why you're there, if it's something to get rid of, if it's something you just need to shift out of, get back up to your happy place (laughs) and, or you're content or you're um, hopeful or even trusting kind of place, even if you can't be happy, can you move into that? And it's good for your body. Like we need to be in those uh, more positive emotional places because our bodies are worn down from having that sucked out. It's like physically draining to be anywhere else. Right. You're definitely, uh, I love all of this. Tell people how they can find you because I just think you're fantastic. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you. So they can find me um, on the web at bethrolls.com, which is R-O-W-L-E-S, or they can go to happilyeveraftercoach.com too. And I have a ton. I'm really obsessed with making free things on my website. So so I have like a should I get divorced quiz. I have a couple books. Um, I have... Uh, 30 texts. So the, how I said we can share more about what we're feeling and get help. I have some examples of how to do that. Awesome. So good. I just think this is really good work and I'm so happy you're helping people stay married and really work through the hard stuff because that's what it's about. You know, they really do say, you know, good times and in bad, (laughs) a lot of bad usually. Yeah. Well, so if you have kids, it's even more important. They really need both of you. Um, And learning to, learning to, being able to accept your husband helps your kids accept who they are. Because you have to remember that both of you are in them. And so if we kick him out and say he's bad and wrong, then they start to, at a subconscious level, reject that part of them that's like their dad. Wow. um, Which can be super damaging. So... On so many levels, it's important to stay together, you know, if you're, if you're able, if you're safe, if you can keep yeah. your kids and you safe, stay together. Wow. That was just the last perfect bomb drop. Cause that was <laughs> like, I'm like, I just need to go be alone for a second right now. Really <laughs> hit me. I was like, Oh, that's true. It's true. Um, thank you so much, Bev. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.